Welcome to Season 2 of the Inclusive School Spotlight podcast series brought to you by the Educating All Learners Alliance and the Center for Learner Equity. This season, we are talking about shifting mindsets. The Inclusive School Spotlight series highlights schools that are using innovative and promising practices to improve learning opportunities and outcomes for students with disabilities. I'm your host, Cache Owens, and I'm joined by my co-host, Laura Stellatano. We are excited to introduce you to First Line Schools, a New Orleans charter network of four schools, as well as a specialized program that serves students with cognitive disabilities from across the city. First Line enrolls about 2,700 students, 11% of whom are students with disabilities, and 8% come from homes where English is not the primary language. I'm joined by the Director of Special Education, Tiffany Willis. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me today. We are eager to learn a bit about the background of First Line Schools. What is unique about the network and what does the learning experience look like for your students? So First Line is a really unique school here. Um, well, actually a network here in New Orleans, given that it's been around, we just celebrated our 24th year in the city. And our network is really unique because not only do we have all of the supports and services for kids and the robust curriculum for all students, we also have specialized programs for students with significant cognitive disabilities. And we also really dive deep in having a strong anti-racism lens when we're talking about educating the students in New Orleans. And so I think that's what makes us separate from all the other schools, knowing that kids can come into our school, be super safe. We are doing providing quality education. And for the students who need more than what the general education curriculum can provide, we have spaces that are there for them as well. Congratulations on 24 years. Is that right? 24, you said? That is a huge accomplishment. Um, And I am very curious to learn more about the Discovery Plus program, which sounds um, particularly interesting. Let me give some additional context first about the Discovery program for our listeners. The Discovery program provides a specialized educational experience for students with significant cognitive disabilities, or students with a low incidence disability who need two or more related services such as physical therapy or adapted physical education, um, mobility or vision services, self-help or life skills. As a specialized program, there are specific criteria that students must meet to qualify for the program. Students' cognitive abilities must fall 2.3 or more standard deviations below the mean and students must participate in the alternative statewide assessment. It's important to note for our listeners that while students must meet objective criteria to be considered for the program, their participation in the program is not categorical. It is an IEP team decision made individually for each student upon determining that particular student's needs um, may be a good match for specialized programming offered through Discovery Plus. So um, just with that little bit of context, can you paint us a picture of what a student's day might look like in the classroom? 
So the Discovery Plus program was uh, developed for students with significant cognitive disabilities. And so our program is designed to give those students a space to thrive. So day to day, you know, students will come in, they'll be greeted by their teachers. And by teachers, I mean teachers. There are teachers and paraprofessionals in each classroom. Um, You could have somewhere between two to five teachers in one space supporting students. We have ELA um, that is a unique curriculum. The name of the curriculum is unique and it is very much um, has visual supports for students. It is differentiated at different levels, three different levels of reading for students. Um, There is a software-based kind of like visual function for them, but they also have paper-based, obviously direct instruction from all their teachers. And they even have access to an AAC device for communication. And in the upper grades, we also have Inspire Classics where students get to read classic books that have been adapted to their reading levels. So that's really, really exciting. They engage in math, science and social studies, which are also at differentiated level with manipulatives and different kind of like engagement pieces. They also have their individual IEP goals that they continue working on. And we even started this year Teach Town, which is a life skills-based instruction curriculum for students um, to learn a variety of different life skills to help them along, such as like doing laundry, taking care of themselves, personal hygiene, physical safety, like when crossing the street, all those kinds of things that they are getting access to. But what also makes our program super special is the related services. So we have a program-specific speech pathologist who comes in and works with the students in the classroom and in individual groups. All students who qualify for speech services get both settings. They get in-class support and they get their individual or group sessions with other students. Our speech pathologist is amazing. Her name is Arini and she works really, really well with AAC devices and building a communication system for students. I have learned so much about so many of our students that I wouldn't have learned without them having a strong communication system. And our systems are either electronic for our seasoned students with speech pathology. And then we have some students who are just working on paper-based communication systems to help like build their resilience with using communication systems. We also have a program specific occupational therapist who comes into the classroom and work with the students as well. And APE, PT, of course, we have those as well. Frank is um, a network APE teacher who's really invested. He never misses a day with students, um, shows up every day, very happy. And I'll tell you one thing, those kids know how to hit a bat off, uh, hit a ball off of a tee. They're there and they're excited to see him. So we have all these providers that also collaborate with the teachers to make sure that what they're doing in their sessions and what they're doing in the classroom can continue on when students are not with those providers. And I think that really just pushes it over the edge. It's not just coming in service and then leave, but it's more of a collaborative spirit. And 
overall, the kids have a great time and enrichment. They do go to enrichment with their peers. They do lunch, recess, enrichment, all of those things, pep rallies, field trips. They do those with their grade level peers. And so they do have the opportunity to, you know, go and do all the things that other students get to do. I've seen them in garden classes that we have. They go to PE, there's art classes. And right now we have an art teacher at one of our schools who comes in additionally to do like uh, art project with our students and they combine the classroom. So the Discovery 3-5 classroom and the Discovery 6-8 classroom combined together. And that art teacher comes in and teaches them an additional art lesson that's usually related to the holiday or the season or something along those lines. Um, it's a very, very, very much a community and they, the teachers and the paraprofessionals, they get their professional development with me and with um, our special education leader fellowship group that we are commonly known as self that comes in and works with those teachers as well. So they, they are a tight knit group that really, really care about the kids and providing a very whole school experience to where kids who used to hate school, they love school now and they want to come to school every single day. Oh, we love self over here at First Line. Um, Akua Soval, we, we absolutely love her. We love the practice. You know, with self being the first in the city to come out um, with like a leadership program for special educators, that was pretty groundbreaking. But what they've kind of shifted into even more so is have has been really, really helpful um, with the alumni coaching, the school visits. That was amazing. That was the best part. And I think that's what really helped our program overall. The people that were involved with the development of Discovery Plus, at some points, they all went to some sort of school visit, myself included. Um, I think the school visit that really impacted me the most was when we went to San Francisco. And they had, uh, the teachers had um, mics. And I was like, that is such the easiest thing. I would have never thought of that. Like, instead of fighting with kids to make them hear you and make them be quiet, knowing that you have students who may stem or may have, you know, some outbursts sometimes, or may just talk to themselves instead of making them be quiet, make yourself louder. And the mics, brilliant. You could hear everything so clearly. And so for the kid that was stimming, they can still hear you and still stem and it's perfectly fine. And I think that was like, there's things, there's things that we can incorporate. And that wasn't overly expensive to have a speaker and a microphone. That's something that schools can do. It's something I want to incorporate um, maybe moving a little bit forward, but <laughs> I, it's, it's things like that, that help you build programs, just knowing like simple solutions like that. That's such a powerful example of you don't need to change the student behavior necessarily. You can change what you're bringing to them. Yeah. Really simple, but powerful. Yeah. I love that example. That's a really good one. Um, and it is, like you said, Laura, cool to see the overlaps between some of our partners and some of the people we're talking to. 
Wow, it sounds like such a robust mix of um, secret ingredients that can really make a successful program from the communications aspect and making sure that your students have access to the supports they need to express themselves and how that ties into relationship building. It just seems like a um, a multifaceted approach that can create something really amazing. Um, is there any other sort of... Um, uh, pieces of your work that you think help you balance this this um, sort of balancing act between targeted targeted and specialized support for students while also providing meaningful inclusion? So yes, our curriculum is targeted. We use a lot of different assessments to track standards um, and making sure that kids achieve on those standards. So our students do use the Leap Connect standards for their instruction, but the curriculum really adapts to those standards to really support students when they get to this place where they take statewide assessments. So our students do take the Leap Connect statewide assessment. And over the years, when I first got to this program, students were scoring in the mid 20% in all content areas. And proud to say over the past two years, we went from 20% in, not 20%, but 25% specifically in ELA. And we moved to 62%, which was three points away from our goal for the end of our third year together. And then, and we're only in year two. And so, and then in math, we shifted and we achieved our goal of 65%. We actually achieved 68% last year on Leap Connect. So students are learning and they are growing and they are achieving. And this isn't a small group of kids. This is um, 49 students students to be exact this year, um, which is slightly more than we had last year. So it's a lot of students who are actually achieving academically while also getting all of the other supports that they need. And as far as meaningful inclusion, one of the goals that I want to make for this school year is although we have our own curriculum, there are things that we're doing as a network that we also do in discovery to make them feel included and to feel like part of the whole network. So we are focusing this year on math fluency and math fluency is something that we can easily incorporate into the discovery program. And so we do have some number sense lessons in discovery. However, we can do the fact fluency games. We can do um, the fluency assessments that they have. We just do it at our level. And it's the same thing with vocabulary. We are also having a big push as a network for vocabulary um, acquisition for students because we know that's a big piece in comprehension. And so, again, we have vocab for each unit and unique, which means that we can also do vocab assessments like everyone else in our school. So between the vocabulary assessments, the math fluency that we're partaking in, and even doing the weekly uh, problems of the week with students, we are incorporating whole network kind of pushes and policies. We're also doing that in discovery to make sure our students are just as included as everyone else. We even, we even do crescendo. And so let me explain what crescendo is. Um, Kirsten Fell, 
of our school created this thing of crescendo where it's like the coming weeks before leave is our, our opportunity to practice, you know, accessing the tech. Uh, the test, making sure, you know, students are able to use the resources, they are practicing some questions. So we also do crescendo. Now our testing windows aren't the same. So we do crescendo a little earlier than um, previously than the other students, but we also do crescendo prep. So Students, we're making sure that their accommodations are accurate and they know how to utilize their accommodations. We make sure that they can access the online tests that they have to use. We make sure that they get the practice and get familiar with taking the LEAP assessment, especially for our new students. And there are prizes and awards. There's mascots, there's themes. We do our, you know, hallway poster board and folks are there to cheer our kids on through these really, really long tests that they were able to achieve last year. Wow. It just really does sound like a a true community effort and something we've talked a lot about um, during this second season is how schools cultivate, cultivate an inclusive mindset amongst their staff. And it sounds like First Line is really intentional about inclusivity and has also, um, we know, been engaged in anti-racism work. What has that journey looked like towards cultivating inclusive and anti-racist mindsets and practices at First Line? I'm really, really proud of our network. We've taken an anti-racist approach to educating students and reflecting on our own practices to make sure we view education and how we're working with our students from an anti-racist lens. We've incorporated quite a few um, practices, such as reading this book called Everyday Anti-Racism, where our groups break up into teams, whether it's school teams or department teams or school-based leadership teams. And we all read the same chapter and we do deep dives into those chapters. We've read culturally, um, Culture in the Brain, and we've read quite a few other articles. We also, as a as a network have just hired Saba Domingo. She's one of the staff members that have been at First Line for about 20 years, who we have now elevated her to this space where she's um, a chief for diversity, equity, and inclusion. She's created our DEI statement and how we're going to operate as a network that is pushing to be anti-racist in 100% of our practices. We make sure we're looking at Hiring to make sure it's reflective of who our students are. We're making sure that we're incorporating all cultures and traditions to make sure kids feel comfortable and safe in a space. Um, We celebrate different cultures and traditions as well, whether it's, you know, Black History Month or uh, Hispanic Heritage Month or anything like that we're making sure that we're incorporating it for students. We allow students to express themselves as well through art and dance. There's fully inclusive. We're even making sure that we have a push. We have a we have a good percentage of students who are in, where English is not their primary language and their family's language is not their primary language is English, which means that 
we make sure our front office has at least one person who can speak to those families who is fluent. We make sure that anything that we post on social media, anything that we sent home for parents to you know, read about our school or invite them to any events is in multiple languages to make sure that we have them come to school and participate in anything that we do that's community-based, whether those are the sports games or report card conferences or anything like open house. We want to make sure our parents are in the building. And so we do what we can to make sure that they can come and participate in those pieces for their students who we also are trying to make sure that they are learning the things that they need to learn at the same rate as their peers. Mm, that, that really sounds like these mindsets are just critical to this community feel and to really, you know, making sure that inclusivity um, at all its intersections is something that's visible at first line. Um, what advice would you offer to other school leaders who want to build programming in their schools that is specialized, inclusive, and anti-racist? My advice to school leaders would be the first thing is to assess what you already have. What programs do you have and where's the need? Do you have students who have significant co uh, cognitive disabilities that are not getting 100% of what they need? Like not just academics, but academics, life skills, social opportunities, 100% of what it takes for that person to be an independent person. And if you don't have that, then it's, start time, it's time to start developing opportunities for you to build on that. And it takes a long time. So it's not something that'll happen overnight and in one school year. It's something that you would have to build. You'd have to carve out the space for that to thrive. And then once you decided that that's what you need and that's what you're going to build, reach out to other schools that already have something similar or reach out to colleagues that you can kind of like bounce ideas off of to see if that's something that you want to do. One of the things that we've done with uh, self that we partner with a lot is go to other cities and states and see their schools and see their programs specifically for students with cognitive disabilities and figure out, is that something that you can incorporate? And if it's not something you can incorporate in the moment, how can you incorporate that over time? So really, really doing some kind of like, I almost want to say market research <laughs> to decide like what's going to be the best for you and understanding that students with cognitive disabilities have the capacity to learn. And once you see them learning and thriving, it's going to be, a, it's an amazing feeling to see, God, that student who wasn't talking before now has a voice and can talk to me and express themselves. It's amazing to say, wow, I didn't know that kids in the eighth grade can start doing a little bit of algebra with these visually supported curriculum options. It's an amazing thing to see. And if that's something that you really want for your students, which I hope you would want for your students, there's ways to incorporate it. It's just going to take a little time. But research what it is that you need in your school and then start reaching out to see what others have done, 
have done already and see what you can incorporate over time. And as far as being inclusive and anti-racist, you should always, always want all your students to be able to be included in anything that you do as a network, whether that's field trips or pep rallies, lunch, recess, enrichment with their peers. There are ways that students can always be a part of those pieces. And if possible, they should be in an inclusive classroom if that's the best space for them. So just thinking about that, and as far as being anti-racist, that is an inward reflection. If you really want to make sure that you're providing the highest quality of education to students that is rigorous, then you need to reflect that that's what you really want, and that's what you really want for students. And then you just need to start reading, read everyday anti-racism, reading culturally responsive teaching, read those books, read those books with your staff, make sure you're having conversations as a staff about what that looks like, Um, involve an agency to help you survey the students and the parents and the teachers to make sure you're being equitable. Um, And if you're not, start putting policies in place for that. Create a DEI statement for sure, 100%. Create a DEI statement showing that you are dedicated to creating these anti-racist practices and creating a safe school for all children, regardless of their race. You want to provide high quality education for all students, regardless of their race or their ability. Yeah, I really just hear this theme of not closing yourself off to all that is possible and to really take the time to to research and see how you can make some of these, these things a reality. I think these are some really powerful insights that our listeners will hopefully take and run with. So thank you so much, Tiffany, for joining us. It's been lovely to learn about First Line. Thank you. I had a great time talking to you and I hope anybody who would want to can reach out to me or reach out to any of our schools. We'd love to have visitors. Great. Thank you. Um, And a thank you to our listeners for checking out the Inclusive Schools Spotlight series. This podcast is brought to you by the Educating All Learners Alliance and the Center for Learner Equity. For more resources and practical approaches, that educators can use to enhance opportunities and outcomes for students with disabilities, check out the Educating All Learners Alliance resource library by visiting educatingalllearners.org and clicking the resources tab. To learn more about the work of the Center for Learner Equity, check out centerforlearnerequity.org. Thanks and tune in to the other episodes in the series.